A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, everybody. Welcome along to All Nest, the Irish Examiner Basketball Podcast. I'm Connor Meany. Uh, I'm joined by my co-host, Kieran Shannon. And we have used the entire show's budget for the season by bringing in Kieran Donaghy for the first episode. Lads, you're very welcome. Glad to be no here. No budgets, Connor. Connor. No budgets. <laughs> no, it's all, I was it's told not. by Mr. Kieran Shannon, my author, that this was a favour. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, everything that everything in Irish basketball is a favor, absolutely. So, uh, yeah. look, uh, I guess the the goal of this is to to give people a little bit of a whistle stop tour of what's going on in Irish basketball over the next couple of weeks, and particularly in the lead up to the cup at the end of January, which is obviously the big kind of staple in the Irish basketball diary. But, Karen uh, Shannon, like, I guess you you dip in and out a fair bit of the around the leagues and different things. What's the kind of state of the nation at the moment in terms of Irish basketball from the outside? And I guess Carol can give us a bit more insight from actually playing within it. Yeah, I mean, I suppose when it comes to the, the national leagues, I suppose we're looking at a bit of possibly a change in the guard. I mean, if you look at it, look briefly in the women's game, well, I think Glanmire will be there, thereabouts again uh, to, con- to contest for the league. Um you know, they were knocked out in the first round as cup holders. They were knocked out by Trinity Meteors, who are becoming a bit of a power. You know, Dana Finn now has been joined by Claire Amelia. And then in the men's game, I mean, over the last six or seven years, I suppose most of the titles have been won by Temple Oak. Marion, you know, won a great league and have always been up there. And obviously, Luxury with Kieran have been the standard bearers. For the last five or six years, either winning basically a Champions Trophy or a league, or last year they won both the league and cup. Whereas this year, while they've had slow starts before, uh, this this is this is now getting concerning. They're out of the cup and and, and they're two and six in the league. So uh, you have other new teams contending. You know you have a obviously Marie are becoming a power. Neptune. Uh, with Jordan Blunt back um, and and the whole energy and promotion they have there is Tralee-esque. So, you know, that's what I'm seeing is that we probably, you know, know Tralee are capable of going on a rip and Kieran will be able to tell us more, but you are possibly looking at um, a team winning the league that hasn't won it in quite a while. Yeah, it's, uh, I've certainly, just before I bring you in, Kieran, it's, uh, I've been watching a fair bit of it now and it, the league seems incredibly balanced that, I'd say more more so than probably the like over the last five years, particularly in the men's league, it's kind of 
you're getting four, five, six teams able to compete for the title. And uh, I think we're seeing even that again this year, though it's probably even a little bit deeper than that. It's a, it's a deep league where there's really only the top, at the bottom, maybe three or four teams who may struggle to beat the top teams on any given night. But there's certainly a lot of depth there and it makes your job difficult, Karen. It's, uh, it's been, a, you've been there, thereabouts in a lot of games, but there's not a lot of uh, kind of easy wins that come around now just to kind of boost that confidence back up. Yeah, I'm 100%, Connor. The, the league's incredibly strong at the moment and it's, it's great to see the game kind of thriving at that level. Uh, that's what you want. You want kind of every weekend and not really sure who's going to win or lose a game. I think, you know, in my first few years when we were battling Temple, no, uh, Temple Oak, I think we lost maybe three games and lost the league because they lost two. And uh, you, you, you were kind of looking around every weekend at who you were playing and who they were playing. And it was a real chase. Um, and there was rarely an upset. Uh, whereas I think this year, um it's 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 incredibly competitive in, in both conferences and um you know it's you know that that top four uh teams that's going to go through from both conferences uh come to playoffs is where i think this super league is going to really uh get hot and get exciting with knockout basketball considering i would say both the top four teams in each conference will fancy a go off anybody so I don't think that's even been the case over the last few years. So that's really exciting to look forward to. But yeah, the, the, the league is really strong at the moment. The teams are are um, both imports and, and Irish players improving all the time. Um, it, it's, it's, made it, uh, it's made it really hard. You know, it's made it really hard. And uh, it's, it's great to see, as, as Kieran said, you know, the, 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 the job that Marie have done, you know, with, with their Irish players, their imports, they're really gelling, they're, They've got size, they've got speed, they've got athleticism. Um, they've rock all kind of keeping the whole show together. Paul Freeman coming off the bench, doing his gritty work that he needs to do. And, you know, they've got a real good balance. And then likewise, Neptune in that conference and Ballon Colleague, who we played uh, two weeks ago, are really strong with Ronan O'Sullivan back now. He's another big body, six, seven in around the paint, obviously along with uh with Adrian and the lads around the place and yeah it's it's look it's a it's it's a great league and really competitive and uh tough to get a win uh and I can say that from a truly point of view because we've only got two of them. Kieran just before we go into it, just stepping back from the the actual like the basketball side of stuff like the actual like the players and everything else there's I think you could probably say like it's probably the Trinity Warriors impact that you're seeing now teams kind of finally following suit uh, with what you guys were probably doing five years ago that you kind of go to Neptune Stadium now and you're seeing the light show as the as the players come on. Kieran Shannon, like, you know, you've documented the world of Irish basketball better than anybody. It's like, and you know what that kind of show can be like. We're starting to see it around the country where people are, are kind of following suit and have realised that this is the way it needs to go. Yeah, look, the, what was... What made basketball make such a breakthrough in the 80s? It was the first sport I found, definitely the first team sport, which packaged sport as more than sport, that it packaged itself as entertainment. You weren't just shivering in the rain and hearing an old pipe band playing. Uh, you walked into the Procol Hall, the Neptune Stadium, and the chart music was just blaring. That You know, even the warm-up was part of it. You, you, you know, we used to go an hour early 
not just to make sure we got in, but to see, you know, the Strickland and Troys, the way they warmed up, Tom O'Sullivan trying to dunk without, you know, without actually dunking, and, and just that whole razzmatazz that built up to it. And, like, it, you know, one of the things, I suppose, like, is 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 bringing kids along. Like, I'm actually bringing a, a team that I coach here in Clare. We're playing in the Cork Ladies Under-16 Blitz, and we're staying around for the Neptunene game, and it'll be the girls' first time to see that, you know, we're, we're making sure that they stay on to just see what basketball can be like, you know, and we plan to bring them down to Tralee as well because, like, even going down to Tralee, like, I did the book with Kieran at the end of 2016. Uh, it came out just, the book came out just as Tralee were back in the league and it took me a few months to come down and he remember him saying, you've got to come down, got to come down. And in, in February, I got down to see them play Swords Thunder with Isaac and Cole playing. It, it, it was like going back into the 80s in the Procal Hall, you know, and that's what Neptune are doing at the moment is going back to your point, like clubs for too long were probably just going through the motions, defeatist almost, not taking, even asking people, you know, you've got, you've nearly got people expect to pay now, you know, like sometimes people were just showing up into the hall, getting in for free and they weren't putting a value on what they were seeing, whereas now no, you have to pay in because you know what, it makes us have to raise the whole thing. And like, it's like on a Saturday night, uh, going to the Neptune Stadium at half six, where else would you want to be? And you know, the same way that Tralee have created that, eight o'clock on a Saturday night, where else would you want to be but in in the, down in the sports center? It's, uh, Karen, I remember, I, I can't remember if it was you or, I think it was, Goran, Goran Pantovic was over one of the first uh, first years when you guys came back up, and I remember talking to him, and he was uh, kind of saying, "Look, it's so it was difficult at that stage for Tralee because they had home games were one type of thing, and then you could go to away games where there might be fifty people sitting in a school gym on a bench, and it was kind of hard to kind of even get up for some of these away games where they're trying to like you don't want to get caught out on the road where there's no atmosphere." But have you noticed, like over the last couple of years, that people really have kind of it's it, they're not fully there yet, and there's still a lot of work to go. But that people are starting to kind of uh, up their game. Yeah, I look. It's you know when I saw opening night Neptune, I was like, there's an there's another one on board. It's it, it's brilliant. But we went up to Mary, I think, in the third game of the season into the NUIG facility there and it's a fabulous hall but normally the last few years you played in it and it's been relatively empty um but I was talking to their PRO beforehand and you know he said oh we went into the schools today uh with the, with the players um or during the week with the players and um you know they're letting the the school kids in for free um and he said we we've got feedback and I think there's around 200 coming but obviously with 200 school kids there's there's probably 200 parents or 100 parents that are coming as well. So now you've three or 400 in the hall before you before you do anything. So Kieran's right. It does take a bit of effort. Obviously, our committee do a huge amount of work um, in the kind of the show element of it. But Connor, you were coming to the complex long enough and, uh, you know, teams would always kind of nearly stay down afterwards because they knew they were going to have a good night, a good atmosphere, a good game. Uh, and then obviously stay on, have a good night out with the, with the, with the with us afterwards. Go down to the Greyhound Bar and and go and go have a night out together. And I think that's what it really was. As Kieran, as I read hanging from the rafters, and that's that's you know when I was when we were talking about coming back into the league. I remember 
uh, Timmy Sheehan, God rest his soul, a, a guy who did an awful lot for to promote the game in Tralee uh, and did unbelievable stuff for us when we were setting up the committee. I remember telling him, you know, I want to get seven or 800 people or a thousand people to the complex, like, you know, and he was just looking across the table at me with, with two heads. Um, and it's, you know, and even in the end, when we started getting the crowds, he'd give me a little wink, you know, on the way out because um, it, it took a bit of effort, but not not overly too much. Getting the pro players, especially the Americans, Connor, getting them out to the schools. We've got two academies here with Imperials and Brendan's, and we make sure that the players are at those academies on both days. It's it's a part of their contract. They talk to the kids, make sure you come to the game. We have a big one Saturday night. They didn't go home and tell their parents, I want to go to the Warriors game on Saturday night. Parents might say no straight away, but if it if it gets if it gets persistent, which is what we tell them to do, inevitably they'll have to bring them up to the game. And and all you want is that kid sitting up there looking out and doing what I did when I was eleven or twelve, going home at ten o'clock in the freezing cold during winter and going out the back playing basketball, wanting to be the American that that was playing with Lee that time, wanting to be the Ricardo Leonard. And yeah, it's 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 two walkie-talkies. It's a walkie-talkie out by the guy who's standing the light switch and someone that's standing in the hall when we're doing our intros, turn off the lights, turn on the lights, uh, a little smoke machine or dry ice machine that that's puts out a bit of a bit of dry ice. And 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 all of a sudden, as Kieran said, if the music is hopping and the buzz is good and the crowd are in there early, and obviously the team, you know, doing well helps that. And and you know, I couldn't believe that the crowd that we we faced in Marie, and it's a huge I think what teams missed for the last number of years is how beneficial that is to to the team that's on the floor. It's it took us out of so many holes um, over the years. Um, the crowd got us over the line in so many occasions. And basketball is a real game of runs. So if you can build momentum, you've got a big crowd in the hall. It lends to both the team doing well and then people going out the door. Kind of can't wait. Wins the next home game. Let's make sure we mark it in the calendar. Um, you know, even for rural enough clubs you know even the likes of us you know we've kids from Bally Bunyan we do over 100 kids from Bally Bunyan get 250 seaters into the game last week uh they're great supporters of us but you know even clubs can look outside their own area possibly and 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 maybe bring the Americans out for a bit of a camp at a weekend some weekend and then look come to a game sometime and like once you come to these games the level of basketball that's now on the floor Connor as you're aware of is is getting better every year uh, and if we can round it off with a bit of a product, it's 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 brilliant as well. So it's um it's great to see, um and even the crowd for the ladies game there uh, against Holland. You know, brilliant to see the arena kind of packed like that. And that's what we have to be trying to do every weekend, everybody. That's just one thing there that you mentioned um, that as you you said there on Saturday night's team would stay over and look, I would have stayed down there in a couple too. And I remember having great chats with let's say some of the source Thunder boys and uh, Connor. I remember Dave Hopley talking in, even in the documentary, we got game about you got to know your opponent, you stay behind. There was that kind of culture. Did your did your generation of player get much of that, where you would maybe go out with opponents, uh, have, make a Saturday night off it, or was it just pretty much home, getting ready for the next game? Um, no, we didn't really. The Like... The EU investing in motorways killed socialising. Uh, it became too easy for Dublin teams to be like two hours, you're back home. So it, guys were able to kind of be like, look, we'll be back in Dublin by half 11. And you're kind of, you got too comfortable with that. So 
that's what made when you're going to the likes of Trinique, Lorglin, that's what made it uh, like Ballina when I was younger. Uh, like I remember it really well. And it was uh, certainly stories that aren't going to be here, but uh, it's like, we, we definitely miss that. And uh, like that, that in Dublin, it happens a little bit that like in town you'd have, because there's so many different teams, they all kind of go to similar places. So there'd be that camaraderie, but not not on the road. And I remember uh, Kilorglan, I think it was t- a couple of years, maybe 2019. And we had, we have a guy, uh, a Polish guy in the club for a couple of years, the biggest fluke that we ever got that uh, we basically got a call from uh, a pharmacist that we knew that says, look, this, uh, this woman has uh, her husband is looking to play basketball and you get these calls all the time and you're like yeah yeah grand uh, whatever and he's like uh, he's Polish okay yeah grand whatever it's like uh, he's 6'8 and we're like okay <laughs> and uh, here's his Eurobasket profile to show where he played uh, like before and you're like we're like Janis is pretty much driving to his house to be like where is this guy so I can get him to train him. But but Mario when he came in I remember it was he was down in Kilorglan and uh the the guys in Kilorglan are great. They they allow you to kind of like get behind the bar or whatever for your point. And there's a bit of a community feel there. And there's there's actually pictures in uh one of the bars in Kilorglan where like Dan and Connor James's dads uh is is in the picture from the old Kilorglan tournaments and everything else. But Mario just turns around in the middle of a sing song that's like going on. He's just like, I would never have gotten this experience in Ireland unless I was here with you guys. Like, there was no way that I would ever have kind of happened upon this. Like, I would have gone to the normal touristy kind of things or I would have been in Dublin, but this is something so alien to kind of everything else that I've uh, experienced. And I think we take it for granted a little bit that there's so many Europeans in the league now and, and Americans as well that we almost owe it to some of the people that come in and add so much to the league that we we give them a better insight into what this country is like and the community that we have. And I I, I think it's probably a shame that we, we don't have it as much as we, we probably should. And what is, Kieran? like you've, you've often had to show, I suppose, you know, imports, you, you know, you've made them go native or helped them go native or show them the ropes. What, what, what like even like you're, you're, and you're doing it almost every year. What, what, what is that process like? Um, let's say how are the the current guys finding it and how do you go about integrating them yeah it's it doesn't sound great that run a basketball pod but (laughs) if guys don't drink alcohol it's a little harder (laughs) i think i think we we won the league and cup last year and we had a team of alcoholics nearly um but it was it was you know strictly on saturday nights but you know they they go heavy on saturday nights but that you know what Connor's talking about there is a kind of uh there is great togetherness and great bonding out of that. Um, we've had to think a little outside the box this year. We we'd a great morning in the beach one morning playing playing games and having a bit of crack uh, on the beach and then dived in for a bit of a cold swim. But you know you you have to try to generate that team bonding in different ways at times. But you know it it is as as Connor says it is we love when the teams stay. And that you go down and get them because you're. This is a very competitive league, and a lot of us are have a have a, a competitive streak in us. And when you're between the lines, you're this kind of, you know, probably a guy that 
people who won't want to be around or don't like that much. But then you kind of get out and you, you see guys in a different environment. And who are you thinking of? Who are you thinking of? I, I remember being out one night, I, a couple of times actually, Swords Thunder. I remember coming down, you know, when they were winning, they, they'd won a cup. Um, like, who, who's a guy who you've gone to war against? And then afterwards, you were able to get to know him maybe in a way you wouldn't have known before. When you think of the Knights yeah, Out, really, yeah, yeah, like, like you know, you mentioned Swords. Isaac was one of those. We would, you know, he'd be seriously competitive. I'd be the same. We'd be going at each other. A little bit of trash talk here and there. Uh, a bit of friendly banter, a few nudges. And uh, and then, you know, you sit down and have a pint with the guy and you'll be like, you know, I, I like this guy. And then you have to battle with yourself the next time you play him to kind of hate him for that 40 minutes again, um, knowing that he's actually a nice guy. But it's... It's that kind of thing where all of a sudden now you're dropping a few texts before or after games or messages on Instagram or Twitter or whatever. If he's a good win or a good game, and you know if you know that, you know he was playing with Colester if, if if or Swords if they were coming to town to drop them a line, guys like Al Casey that you'll be you know that would have been my size that would have banged around with underneath the basket, wouldn't have been too fond of each other at times on the court. But then you have a few points with the guy and the guy is a one. So it's it's it it is a great thing to to have within the, within the within the teams because you know 90% of the league is amateur you know we're doing this as a hobby uh training three nights a week being away from our families getting into a car uh it's not always practical we always try and stay in Belfast when we're playing in Belfast we always make sure we stay in Dublin once a year depending on if there's an earlier game so we can maybe enjoy a bit more of the nightlife. Um, if there's a FYI, any Dublin teams putting on games at eight o'clock, uh, well, I don't think you'll be staying, but if there's a six o'clock game, it's it's uh, it's it's in the realm of possibilities. But just to to make sure that you stay up there, uh, it's a bit harder, I guess, in Dublin to to, to meet the teams in, in local spots like they would if they came to Calargon or Tralee, but still meeting with them for a drink and, and going for your night out as a team, I think is very important in terms of building that camaraderie in a group because it's a long, grueling season and you need something like that to, to, to lighten it all. I, I remember when I was living and working in Dublin in the late 90s, early 90s and would go to quite a few Colester games and they actually had, they put on tea and sandwiches for the opponents maybe before they hit the road. I'm just wondering is is that tradition still going anywhere or do teams just tend to, as you say we cork the motorway, we're only two and a quarter hours and you have the rest of the day or like is there any mingling or any of that anymore speak yeah speaking from ourselves like you know we got beaten in the cup game against Dana tough loss against a great a great organization and in fairness to them I was walking out after giving it everything on the court and uh you know offered tea and sandwiches for the road home you know I know the boys when they come if they stay in Tralee there's always food in the Greyhound you know just nuggets sandwiches chips, sausages, that kind of stuff, just to give put fellas something in their stomach to, to line it. Um, but yeah, we, we would often get that at games. Um, and it's it's a nice touch for a crowd that are that are that are going for a travel, even if it's a small, you know, uh, uh, even if it's a small gesture like that to say, look to the team that there's, there's going to be a tray of sandwich and a pot of tea here after free if you want it. Um, and obviously, you know, um, it, it is a, it is a nice thing. And, you know, I'm, I'm not overly sure about Connor when they've, they've six or seven local derbies around Dublin I'm not sure yeah it's it's kind of it's kind of limited enough to be honest but it's uh just as I'm as we're talking through it there's kind of two things came to my mind is one is that uh 
like on the camaraderie part of like even the top Irish players, like one of the big things that was missed out for a lot of years is that idea of even the national team or having extended squads where some of those like-minded people could actually develop those bonds away from just kind of competing against each other, which is something that's changing now. You're seeing a lot more. So there's, there's some of the guys who are coming up now are probably more close knit than we probably would have. So uh, like yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have known some of the guys as well as I probably should have. You kind of know people from uh, in basketball. You often identify yourself by the year that you're born, and like you know the '86s, you know the '87s, or whatever, because you grew up playing against them. But at at adult level, you don't really have that as much. And I think the Irish team was a big part of that being kind of missing. But the other thing that kind of sticks to me is that, and it's a, it's a good and a bad thing of the league is that with the amount of Europeans that are coming in. Um, and teams change so much at the moment, uh, year on year, that like there's it, it's good in that it's raised the standard, but it's bad in a way that I certainly felt that when I came back and played last year, that I was kind of looking around and this part age that I didn't know everybody, but part kind of going like I don't know who these people are, and I'm not really like I'd rather battle with Fergal O'Sullivan because I know. Fergal and we've had four run-ins in the past couple of years and I know he's a good lad or whatever else but or even like a Paddy Sullivan who guarded me better than most people in Ireland would guard me and I didn't really like playing against him but I like the challenge of playing against him whereas you don't always have that with guys who are just coming in for a season and then they're gone and um, I think that's one of the things that we have to figure out as clubs in general and it's part of that integration is if there's going to be guys coming in all the time is how do we create something that's kind of bigger than just the 40 minutes on the floor and how do we kind of show something that's bigger than that yeah because there is a transient nature to basketball i mean you know even in the nba they've talked about you know that even the top players move around so much but at least they're known um like there's always been that with Irish basketball, and but like like I'm looking at Tralee, and I suppose you've had several players that stayed several years. Kieran, like I'm thinking of like Trey Premberton, really helped you get the the thing established. But then Trey moves on, and there's a generation or quite people who've been going to Tralee games for two or three years who wouldn't know who he is. You know, one comes in the door, another goes. But I suppose maybe with going back to what. Connor said, like, you still have a glue of yourself, skinny, Fergal. But that is that is a challenge, getting that blend between, wait a second, I don't know these guys. Whereas you grew up, maybe, stereotypically even Marion, you know, Donald Brannock, you know, you, you knew all that vintage you played with them. Um, what way do, have you gone about that? Or how do you find that point that Connor's making? Yeah, Connor, Connor made a good point And, you know, for me as a youngster, that was nearly always the excitement. You were nearly you were nearly disappointed if the same American came back, unless he was absolutely unbelievable. But you nearly wanted to see what the new player was like the whole time. Uh, and obviously, I think, you know, most teams are bringing in uh, an American every year. Um, and obviously, you're, you're trying to get a European guy and they do move around. But you, you still have to have your core guys and... and that Marion team that Connor played with still had their core group. Because um, it's a bit harder now, I think, because maybe back in the day, a bit the younger players that were coming through, you know, you'd see them playing so much longer. But now I think the top young players that are coming through are probably going to try to go to college in America because that door is so wide open now and it's such an unbelievable opportunity for these kids to go out and experience that. 
that you know I, I think these Europeans are important to keep the standard of the league as where is that because if you've got your best your young kids coming through and they're so good that they're going to the states uh and, and that's why I love what kind of Neptune have done uh with the bringing back a Jordan Blunt you know and you know if they could even add a Sean Jenkins to that next year you know I think that's maybe the model that that the team should be trying to trying to go and trying to offer the kids that leave that if they get to such a high level over there that listen look come back we'll make you a pro and we can talk to Johnny downtown he owns an insurance company and your degree will work well with that and you know even lining that up two or three years in advance you know so that we get this cohort of players that are that are at a really high level both from the guys that mightn't be of the standard to go to America for four years but just improve by staying at home and and earning their crust at Super League level, learning off the guys at training, learning off the pros that come in from training, and then your guys coming back to try, and as Connor says, trying to get more kind of solidity within the group uh, of players. But sport, you know, every year, including the GEA, fellas go, fellas come in. It's 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 needed for a bit of excitement to see something different. But, I, I you know, I do agree with the point that you do want to see that core group of fellas and... Myself and Connor are probably at the age now where there's there's probably more of us retiring than playing on. So all, all every year you're you're probably losing a few of the guys you kind of knew because it, it it look, you know, when you get to to, to I'm 39, I'm gonna be 40 in March, you've three kids, you know, I have a busy job. It's 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 a it's a hard commitment, and you gotta really love the game and you gotta really want to give it everything for your for your fans for your committee for the people around the club for the next generation of kids that are coming that you want to make sure that they're looking at someone that that's doing it right um but it is a big commitment you know you're you're kind of talking about september to april every saturday night you know but what what is it what is it like um like you guys are lifers and uh, okay you had obviously a well known sabbatical sabbatical and carry for a while but you had um you know, you within year one or year two at Russ, you were starting. You know, um, what we're talking about the churn of the pros, but I'm, I'm thinking of let's say the kids, particularly let's say at Division One um, National League. What's that experience like as a 20, 21 year old bench player being National League? And as you said, for six months you're traveling up and down the country. You know, every second week you're on the road. What is the experience like being a National League player? Yeah, it, it, for those guys, there's no doubt. I, I I did it for kind of four or five weeks being a bench player to start, and I I I'm take it that that's a very weeks. short time, <laughs> very short time period. <laughs> but what what I would say is, you know, I think there's a bit of mental toughness needed, but I think there's a huge amount of dedication that's needed because if you think you're going to make that gap up by going to training on Tuesday, like you look at someone that can shoot the ball like Connor. Like he, he he didn't become the sharpshooter, one of the best of all time in this country by shooting on Tuesday night and Thursday night and showing up for games on Saturday. Like he he just didn't. That was early morning practice. That was late morning. I wrote about it in my book, Colin Mannix picking me up in the on the bar of his bike, taking me up to the complex, lashing rain, freezing cold winter, shimmying my way into the complex without paying or without you know, giving your man to wink at the door or we're only going to be in for 15 minutes. we got school to go to and then you'll be sweating coming out of there an hour and a half late or late for school. But like, 
I think guys that that want to make this, and, and we've had this in Chile because we've got Brendan's and Imperials, and they're both doing unbelievable work on the underage structures and the academies and the coaching that's going into the kids at every age group. And then there's the kind of talk of, oh, oh, you know, there's not enough of them maybe ready to come in and play at 19 at a Super League level. And that is 100% uh, something they have to battle with because obviously these kids could be going to college. Are they going to drive down from Limerick or Cork every night to training if they're not playing? Uh, and that come, I, I think there's a huge part that has to come down to how much you want it. What's your desire levels like? Where, are you going to go... Are you going to go into that dark place away from the lights, away from Instagram, where nobody knows it, where you're just getting your 500 shots up every morning so that when you're getting your opportunities in the game, that you're hitting everything? Uh, are you going into the training with the mindset of, you know, am I all into this? Am I kind of into this? Oh, I'm not going to play. Will I really try? Will I win that sprint? Will I get that hustle play? Or are you coming in absolute tractor being focused, looking to take the head off somebody to get their jersey and go out as a teammate to try and get the guys ready for the weekend? So I think that that there's a huge um, disparity in 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 them levels between certain kids, and you know I think the kids that really want it and really fancy playing Super League and representing their town for the next ten years at a level. Uh, they're the ones that probably go away and find the extra time in the off-season and during the season to really work in their game. And that's the question I would always pose to Tommy isn't playing enough. It's, you know, he should be playing more. Okay, what's he doing to play more? You know, is he is, is Tuesday, Thursday uh, and the game the weekend, is that what he's doing? And if and if the answer is yes, well, then he's not, he's just not, just he's just not doing enough. You can't make that mm -hmm. gap up. And it's harder now because of the inst of social media and fellas sitting on TikTok and sweeping through TikTok. You see it on the buses on the way home from games. Guys will just go away to a world of their own. So I, I take it that it was easier for maybe me and Connor to get up at six o'clock and go get them extra shots, shots, shots. I went with Antoine Gillespie when he's here for that year, learned a whole lot about how you prepare for a shooting session. You know, don't just go and shoot shots. I learned from Dave Hopla when he talked about tracking your shots. If you're going to take 200 shots, how do you know you're getting better if you don't know what you scored? You know, if you're going to shoot 200 every day, that's great. But how do you know you improve? And or did you have a bad day today? And why did I have a bad day? And I didn't get enough sleep last night. Okay, maybe I'll get more sleep and I'll make more shots tomorrow. You've got to track the shots to know if you're getting better. So all them kind of things are, are huge, Kieran, in that, in that question you pose. I, I, I think just to add to it is uh, I think there's a huge amount of attrition. A lot of people who... Are willing to kind of be on the bench super league say our, our national league and say they did it for a couple of years and then they kind of exit out and the next kind of person comes in and does the same thing and i think in the years gone by there would have almost been a a pecking order within the club of okay well if i wait two or three years i'll be 21 22 i'll be able to get my chance and then all of a sudden there's a a european player there where there isn't just a, a route to automatically being on the floor and that's what some people would perceive to be the negative of it. But on the flip side of it, I think one of the big things that the mentality used to be, and it still is, and it's a problem that needs to be changed, and it feeds into everything Kieran's saying there, is that it used to be you either go to America or else you kind of just continue on. your Whatever you, whatever you were as a player when you were 19, the majority of Irish players are the exact same player when they're 26, 27, just with a little bit more tactical or uh, knowledge or experience. And so few Irish players, particularly in that age group of kind of 18 to 24, 
ever develop their game anymore. They kind of are what they are, and it's like he's either a shooter underage, and then he's a shooter super. Is that on them or perception? It's on them, but it's also on the clubs to have the environment for those sort of guys. It's not. I, I think there's sometimes an acceptance that it's just kind of he's a young lad playing Super League, so let's just see how he gets on in Super League training over the next kind of year or so. He might play a few minutes, and then he'll develop naturally. But I think there's uh, we probably do a disservice to um, we're certainly looking at it. It's very topical for us at the moment with our Super League team because we have these young guys who are coming in straight from twenties, and we're trying to kind of figure out what way to nurture them over the next couple of years to to make sure that they like that it's not just let's wait for Owen Nelson to come back from the states. Uh, it's how do we develop the guys that do stay? And I think like Adrian Adrian O'Sullivan, the path that he took over the last couple of years that he stayed or like he went to prep school or whatever, but he stayed in UCC for a couple of years and then was able to go professional out of being at home for a couple of years. And the reason that he was able to do it was because he was in a really good environment with Colin and he got an opportunity to play for demons, but there was an expectation around that team and the, everything that they were doing that he developed a, a, to a high level. And it's a, a thing that we have to figure out of, um, and that's a basketball Ireland have to figure it out, but the clubs have to figure it out as well, of, uh, and the universities and different things of, don't just accept that a guy has stayed at home and let's see what he becomes over the next couple of years. It's like, challenge people to, to, to be more. And I think part of why I was interested in this podcast, why I was interested in doing the, a bit with the examiner is that, it's hard to do that slog of the season all the time when there's no recognition to what's going on within the league. And people sometimes talk about like the GAA and everything else and the, and like the, the work that guys put into, to like into the game. Absolutely, absolutely true. But the rewards and the, like the way that they're perceived as a reward for that sort of work isn't always there within basketball. And that's why you lose so many of these guys. So it's finding a way to nurture them, but also to shine a light on them so that they get rewarded for all the work that they put in so that they want to say, keep doing it. And I think it goes back into the, like the crowds part of it all feeds back into that. It's a lot more interesting to, to do all the work. If, if you're getting rewarded with a couple of hundred people on a Saturday night, rather than just being in uh, like a, a gym where no one's watching, I think the streaming idea now that everyone can see all your games, all these sort of things all feed into it, but it's just, we have to figure out a way to, to keep nurturing it. Just on that, like it's um, because I, I sometimes think of that 2021 year old and like whereby that that commitment that's involved in going up and down the country, but you have to, as you said, it's about them raising the standard. And you know, Ireland isn't where it's it's still wanting to progress as a sport. That I suppose the National League model is the best way that you are on you are playing a game every weekend. I'm just looking at it that. But it is a big commitment, you know. Like, let's say we would have traditionally, and your father would have been of the generation that, like, the, the National League initially was actually a blitz format, you know, yeah. where it was once a month and you got in your four or five games at a weekend. But for the other three weekends, you were tipping over. Like, uh, is the current uh, Super League has to be the way it is? But I sometimes think Division One is the is the home and away twenty weekends through the year the best model, or would a blitz like format or you know is it is it overly grueling or is it no if you're if you're signed up to be a national league player it's a, it's an it's a level above and this is the way you have to get your 20 games and it's best to have it week in week out 
I, I look, I, I've obviously worked fairly closely to a lot of us, and I, I think the model's right. I think the blitz model where we need to get to is at underage level that there isn't enough, like good underage teams don't get enough high quality games. And there's a reason that we then struggle with some of the basic things when we get to international level that we like too often teams play zone schools games where you just stand and hope someone misses all that sort of stuff. And it's only by bringing the top teams together more regularly that you'll ever develop that. But at senior level, I think there has to be, again, don't apologize for, it being difficult at times that it's like there needs to be the reward at the end of it and at the same time it's a big challenge and if you can get it all right and get to the Super League and be top level then there should be big rewards at the end of it and the other reward that's come back in is obviously national teams and um, you're I, I I know all three of us saw uh, like part of the, the Netherlands game last week and look it's a disappointing second half that ultimately was our undoing but um I even you see all of what we're talking about in that game, and in terms of the the shooting ability from the three point line is still always a challenge because we don't have enough people who are able to get all those shots up all the time to get to a high level. Whereas other nations do, they find the way to to, to make that happen. And then equally, the skill set of we have a really interesting group of, of young players who've come through the the Claire Melias and that's a, that kind of generation and a couple of age groups around them and you're already starting to see separation within those sort of players that like Claire Amelia was peerless on the court last week in terms of all the simple things that she allows you to do. And you're seeing her develop because she's being pushed to keep uh, developing and that national team is there for her to do so. But it's in order for us to be competitive at international level, it's the other people who, particularly the ones who stay at home that have to be able to keep, keep developing to kind of stay up with that level. And, I think it, going back to the original point is that that absence of that top level international basketball was one of the things that wasn't driving the standard. And it's one of the things that really does help drive the league. It's certainly in my opinion. No, no, huge, Connor. I mean, obviously it's well documented. We, we lost our national teams at the start of 2010 when particularly the women's were on the verge of a big breakthrough. Look, you've documented it, the history of the national teams. Um, but it's, and, and like you take those girls who were in the arena, I, I think a big thing is is that that kind of talent has been retained because if you look at that, the the the, the groups of the twenty tens, you know, like even like James Weldon, the national team coach, would have coached uh, you know a very good UL team and kept them to a standard. But ultimately, players like Louise Galvin, like uh, Aoife McDermott. Lindsay Pete with DCU, who obviously Mark has a special program up there. They ultimately there, there wasn't that carrot off the green flag of, of standing in front of the flag, and therefore they went and played for Ireland and other sports. Um, we been know that the national team is back. Um, you know, first through the small countries, and now thankfully back in the Eurobasket qualifiers. Um, that is a huge thing. Like, and we've been able to retain, you know, that core group. Like, a Dana plays at a high level at Gaelic, but basketball is almost her number one because it gives her that opportunity to play against and with uh, elite players, international players. So that is, I think, I think it's that was a big stepping stone. It was just, it would have been just beautiful if they got the W, like having played so brilliantly in the first half. As you said, certain things maybe catching us, like. I suppose with the stat, the profile, you tell me better. Physically, we nearly should be a dominant 
are an exceptional three-point shooting nation, but we're not because, as you said, the hoop, finding the gym time. Um, and obviously you're going up against pros, people playing in the top leagues in Europe. But uh, I was talking to, I interviewed Jordan Blunt for the, the paper on Saturday. And obviously he's a new breed of player. Um, he's gone through a different model. He, he went over to the continent when he was 16, having spent a year in England the year before that. And now that he's back, um, he has been struck by uh, our, we're still as much as we're going to have over the next seven years. He reckons we have that conveyor belt of player in the States who will come back and possibly play in the league. The guys who are here, we're always going to have to raise the standard. We're always going to have to have core group of guys in the league. And they, he feels just have to do more, do more of everything. The extras, as you said, when it comes to the shots, you know, I suppose having that high performance mindset that the way that an inter-county GA player would, you know, it goes back to what you're saying, that element of recognition. If you're a Limerick hurler, you're a high performer because you're getting a recognition rewards. Um, but it's a chicken egg. It's a chicken egg. And I know, let's say with the women's program, they've worked hard uh, at, at pushing it up. Um, you know, you see Sarka Tiernan in the small countries hit six threes in a, in a, in, a, in, a, in the semi-final and you know the work she's been putting in on that but you need more of them doing more of it for the yeah, 100% and I, I think one of the things that sometimes we, we get caught up with is uh, like Karen your coaching kind of side we will come into this is that sometimes it's like high performance and you the first thing you get into is funding and the first thing you kind of get into is are we pros and all this sort of stuff but it's often a culture and a, a mindset of how do we even approach being high performance to, to set the bar for that. So, and especially in a small island of that kind of, we should be able to to do a little bit more. And it goes back, I think, to the original conversation around the, the kind of camaraderie and different things between those top level players that we should still be able to foster some sort of high performance environment for those top guys and then hopefully be able to reward them in the right way over the coming years a hundred percent like you like you see the rugby guys you know they go they they're as high performance as anybody they still have their few beers after every game you know it was a big complaint to the ga players why we have to drink for eight weeks when the rugby boys can have a few beers after a game in twickenham on a saturday when they get ready to play france the following sunday in lens on road so it, it it is a factor but i think what's what's the elephant in the room with both of your conversations on that and and is the tv element you know it's it's like streaming is 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 great um that that's only really hitting people who really want to see it you know yeah. you want to try and hit people and that's why the cup final opened my eyes to that you know when you start going around to the schools and all the kids are coming up uh you know that have watched the game in the weekend and and no guys on our squad that that mightn't be overly known and it's kind of like you know i saw you on like tv is where it's at because that brings sponsors you know if the sponsors had some idea that yes the cup final is going to be on tv but you know we're going to do we're going to talk to somebody about getting the cup semi-finals on tv but we're also going to talk about the end of year playoffs because they're just as good and just as big and you're you know you're guaranteed that nobody's going to get knocked out in an earlier round all the best teams will be there at the end of the season and we're going to show the semi-finals and finals of that 
you know, and then we'll show the national games and then we'll show the ladies, you know, we'll try and, and set that up. And I think if you were streaming regular season games all the time and we were getting more TV, you can be more high performing because people will automatically buy in more. You're maybe getting more sponsorships and all you can maybe bring in a high performance strength and conditioning coach. You know, like the, the, the basketball coach is dealing with the committee. He's dealing with 15 guys, maybe 20 guys, some of them that aren't playing. He's trying to keep them happy. He's trying to keep the pros happy. He's losing games. He's under pressure. You, you know, he's trying to get fellas to go to the gym. Uh, where, where, do you see it? where do you see a fitting, uh, Kieran, though, like, uh, and, and making that happen? I remember TG Cahar, when they were starting out, had live games on Saturday evenings. And you know, we had 14 Super League teams at the time. And I remember even Scott McCarthy, who was the CEO at the time, saying, look, some of the guys we have on the floor aren't in shape and a great advertisement for us. Um, and then, obviously, TG Cahar went the ladies' football route. And we've seen how it's blossomed. And... We're in the Champions League era. Obviously, Club J is becoming all the more uh, prevalent either streaming or uh, on TG Cahar. Like, where, where, where is this? Where is there a, I, a, a possible slot there, that you see? There's a slot. Yeah, there's a slot. I think there's a slot on, on Friday nights and and basketball Ireland when they're doing their fixtures every every year. Try and make sure that there's a, a good local derby on every Friday night, whether it's the two Dublin teams, whether it's the two a few Cork teams playing, whether it's the two Galway teams. You've a load of Dublin derbies that are easy set up that everyone would be able to get to on a Friday night at eight o'clock. Friday night's a good night to have it because crowds and say, oh, I go to the game Friday night. We still have Saturday to do this and we still have Sunday to do that. So I think Friday night is the gap and TG car are unbelievable with their with their uh promotion of the game in the last number of years and have done a great job with every game they've gone and you know i think basketball ireland nearly need to be knocking down the door of them and saying listen can, can we try and get a few more look the national team is great the cup final is great but is there any slot that we can help you with to kind of get it because the game has never been more popular kieran you know and yeah. connor would have seen that as well anybody that is I've said this before, when I was retiring out of the Kerry dressing room in 2008, 50% of the squad knew more 2018, about 2018, 2018. 2018, 2018 yeah, more, you're, more you're, squad you're, you're, you're knew. past it by then, 2008, you were in your prime, in fairness, but go on. More, more the squad knew about basketball and NBA rosters and cap room than I did. It was getting kind of slightly embarrassing. I was kind of staying away from talking to guys about the intricacies of the NBA because obviously I had a lot going on myself, but these guys knew who can they get, what the cap room is like. And that's because they're seeing it every day on their phone. And they're obviously seeing the games on Sky Sports and, you know, come the playoffs, they're, they're, they're huge moments. And I think, you know, the problem you have, maybe the guy with the that's carrying a bit of weight and is out of shape on TV isn't the good, like, I don't think you have too much of that in the league. Yeah, the league is incredibly fit now. The level of athlete is unbelievable. And if, and if we're talking about bringing the game to the next level, there's only one answer for it. You yeah. must it, get on national television, in my eyes. It's the, it's, I, it's, I agree with it's you. The way I, I think the, the roots as well, the the other thing that was always um, a barrier in people's minds was that, look, some of the gyms and different things, you don't want to show what's going on in these. And, and what, it, what you get to, or what needs to be the point that you eventually get to with this is that it's kind of like, you don't just because you're in the league doesn't mean you get a home game on TV. You put together the package that shows why you deserve to have it. What is the marketing plan around it to show that you're going to have a packed out place? You're going to do everything that it need. 
and it's it's the circus coming to town once a year for a lot of the clubs and it, it means that they go all out and once they go all out and see that they can do it then it also feeds back into that other stuff that they can't say, oh well that actually wasn't that difficult uh, how do we keep doing that and and look i i get it completely because look we as you said uh, the the committees who run a lot of these uh, teams in particular they're they're stretched and they it, they they want new energy to come in and support them as well and it, it, it all comes back into this if you give people a platform that people want to be involved in it, they want to help it kind of grow to it's very hard to to kind of drive something to to begin but once that kind of uh, platform is there then things can kind of grow sure. up well, look, it's, the, it's the sport like the one thing is it's been shown before it happens i mean look yeah. what we said Tralee's doing what Nepshin are doing. I look at what a club like Nepshin and so many others did in the eighties. Like, like basketball showed the way on this. So, and 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 fought its way on the TV schedule, uh, back you know to establish the cup uh, live when there was little live sports. So, I suppose it comes down to as you say, um, not waiting around for it to happen, but also believing in the product. And and like we do have, as you said. Um, and, and Irish sport has progressed usually in those 20 years that I, like I'm talking about since, let's say, TG Carr would have last covered the league live. I mean, Irish sport across the board now are high performing, whatever the sport, you know, you look at what the Irish women's hockey team have done. And, and there is a greater awareness now of, you know, let's say sport being for all. And uh, I've made this point in your company before, Connor, like I think basketball was potentially undersold what a refuge it's been traditionally historically for women's sport in this country you know like the it had it was the in terms of team sport it along with you know it was the ground blazing like even there and um, just was checking something historically there where mary bainham was the president of the association she was the first uh woman on fiba you know like what was from ireland and um, and now we have that generation, as you say, that are now back. We're now disappointed Ireland are losing to Holland by three points when we were we were, we were off the national stage. We, we now have those players. And going back to what Jordan's talking about, we have a stream of lads like Kieran would have played. And, you know, that's the that's the advantage of or the, the great thing about the National League. A lot of your boys like rap Kieran, you know, like Leroy, who, you know, were on the bench as 16-year-olds. Ryan Leonard, you know, they've gone on to the States now. And as you said, the model could be that they come back here and be semi-pro. I mean, you know, it was a very adult conversation I had with Jordan Blunt for tomorrow. And I, I recommend people to, to, to fascinate and character, you know, speaks about actually, like Jordan's actually, like he's had personal tragedy with his father dying two years ago. His brother, unfortunately, is terminally ill. Um, he's actually converted uh, from... I suppose he's converted over to being a Muslim now because his wife uh, is of the same. And but one of the things that he also is is that, you know, he's straight up. Yeah, right. He's a professional basketballer, and he is now getting paid by his home club, Neptune, which should be the model. Where you know, there before it was something that was skirted around, or the notion that you should pay a, a top Irish player just because, and you're spending money that could bring more guys like him or keep him instead of uh, a you know a lad from Poland or Spain who'll be gone next year um like th that model no I think clubs like Neptune and even what Tralee have done I think the league is getting 
better. Like I was glad to hear that it's a three-year contract that he has with Neptune. You know, before it's often just year by year these things roll. So the league itself um, is becoming stronger. And now that we have our national teams back and going back to, as you said, the, the profile of, let's say, the NBA has never been bigger. You know, the, the sport is in a position of strength going into the room with the likes of those TV companies. Absolutely. And look, uh, we'll, we'll go whistle stop before we uh, we finish up. We have, obviously, we're heading into quarterfinal weekend of the uh, National Cup this weekend. Uh, Karen Shannon, look, on the women's side, obviously, a lot some of these players have just played internationally. Now they have to come back. Is there anyone you're kind of looking out for, or any matchup you're kind of looking out for this weekend over in the in the women's? Yeah, like it's it's um it's a very even league, but just by virtue, I think I think there was two heavy weight battles in the first round, you know, which knocked out the two Cork teams, you know, Glenmire and Brunel. So that was kind of the bruising. I mean, um, you'd expect DCU to advance, um. But the, one or two of the others ones, like the Liffey Celtics one, um, against the, they're playing. Uh, yeah, they're playing uh, against the uh, Waterford. Yeah, yeah. Wildcats, like that one. That one's an intriguing one because obviously you have the two young hickeys are lighting it up, um, and yeah, like well, Liffey aren't quite as strong as they were three or four years ago, but uh, still got some proud players like Anya O'Connor and Sarka. Um, so it's. Um, I'm looking out for that one. That's the pick of it. But look, uh, um, I suppose the men's one is just set up. It's an intriguing draw the way it's fallen, hasn't it? Like yeah, yeah. It's uh, look. I think you couldn't have four better matchups, four more interesting. Well, <laughs> Chairman, uh, well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you like to be in there, yeah. um, Karen, Which of the games kind of stood out to you? Uh, do you think will be the most interesting? Um, I I, I think there's. I think they're all actually really exciting and, and, and interesting battles. Obviously, the the, the Neptune and Aina, um, and again, are in a good run of form. Um, they're starting to find themselves, but you know, this 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 trip to Neptune now has never been more daunting. I always found Neptune daunting to walk into anyway because of the size of the arena. And it was obviously when I was a kid, it was a kind of a real place that I used to go and watch these big games when I was seven or eight and be brought down there to these huge crowds. So. They're 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 gonna um they're gonna absolutely pack this place out on on Saturday on Saturday evening and Kieran's lucky enough to be down there with those kids from Clare. They're gonna get a real eye opener to the game and that's what it's about. Um, I, I prob like I think home advantage is huge in the cup, Connor. You know I think we had Ana above there, and there was a stage in the game where you know they hit a tree, got a steal, and hit another tree, and next thing like. You know, it's it's you're going after the bench and it's deafening and the place is rocking and that's just massive for the home team coming late on in the cup game when it gets into that desperation clawing for your life to try and win a game scenario. So I think Neptune might just edge that with the home advantage. But another big one for me is this Mary and Belfast um, uh, combination because uh, Belfast are you know a real sharp shooting team and uh, Mary obviously. Have probably a bit more, have more size than them inside with the two big boys. Um, but you know the two Quins um, are are you know can 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 light it up at any stage. Uh, they've got the two Maxes who are who are really good players, and then they've, they've got that cohort of Irish guys that can come in and make a difference. And um, 
Uh, yeah, so they, for me, those two, obviously, Paul Dick and Calester, they're going to... Um, Balancol- or Emporium Cork Basketball, so it's... Yeah, Balancolic, that's going to be another absolute belter of a game because, you know, we... we, we Emporium or Balancolic, uh, as we would know them, are, you know, serious, serious team now. Like, you know, the three, yeah. three O'Sullivans are serious. Um, you know, they've got they've got Keelan Kearns down from Belfast, who's a big body, can shoot the tree and stretch the floor. I and mean, when you can stretch the floor, players like Adrian O'Sullivan uh, and, and the American they have is very dangerous. And then, as I said, Ronan's able to come in and, and give Keelan the breaks and then they can go big and match up as well with the two of them, which did it against Neptune last week in, in that unbelievable game. So, yeah. You know that's that's going to be that's going to be another brilliant one. Obviously, Paul Dick is flying for Cluster, and he's really exciting to see. So look, there's there's and I know um, there's Marion and Vincent's Vincent. as well, which Derby game, which will which will which could throw up anything. So yeah. four unbelievable games uh, this weekend. Count. Uh, no, they're, they're they're brilliant. It's uh, just from my own point is like. Look, Aina, Aina went to Neptune and won a couple of weeks ago, but Neil Sabato wasn't playing for Neptune. And yeah. the other big question is that uh, Tomic, who was so important in that win, he was in a walking boot last week, didn't play against Colester. So that would be a big thing. It's uh, It could be a big momentum swing that if Neil's back and uh, Tomic isn't playing, it could uh, it have a, a huge impact. The, Let's go into these boots for anything these days, Connor. I, oh, yeah. I was in, I was in the arena for the I was in the arena for the for the college basketball event last week, and two kids came up to me with these face boots on. You know, and I was like, "What happened?" I was expecting ruptured Achilles or fractured ankles and soft tissue damage in my foot. And I said, "Oh, oh, no, all right." And when they went the way, I said, "Oh, we're going to start putting kids in space boots." So, how much could have a small injury? Oh, yeah. and, uh, uh, and, and we've seen it before that the 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 cup is a miraculous yeah. healer for lots of people. So, uh, <laughs> and uh, no, the John Dawson for for Ballincollig and Paul Dick. It's like the perfect matchup. Cholester have been very unfortunate with a lot of injuries so far, but when they get it right, they they can be very good. The the Marie one, yeah, it's. Uh, I think in order to win trophies in Ireland, you have to have an Irish player or two who can come up in the big moments when you're really tested. It, it, you, I don't think you can find a, a team who's won a trophy that hasn't had a really critical Irish player. So whether it's going to be an old rock all or one of the other lads, it's just going to be interesting to see when Marie get really tested. Who's going to be that guy? Who's kind of the rock? Who 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 does that for them? And then the Marion one. Is interesting because Yasko, who coaches Vincent's this year, is the one who recruited in uh, John Jean last year, who's our American, who's leading the league in scoring. Marion beat Vincent's a couple of weeks ago, where Yasko was kind of Vincent's didn't turn up on the night, so they're looking for a bit of payback, and it should be the two teams that aren't a million miles away from each other in terms of level, so it should be it's the weakest of the of the four matchups, but it's uh, it should still be really interesting. So look. Um, that's that's a whistle stop tour of kind of what's happening this weekend, but also kind of a, a really interesting conversation around a lot of different things in, in Irish basketball. And I think that's the ambition for this uh, all net podcast over the next couple of weeks is just to to give people, uh, as you said, Karen, with the TV stuff, open the door to people and show that there's a lot going on within the sport and that the sport the sport has the sport has great talking points, and we maybe don't air them publicly enough. We, we we'll have them behind people's backs or, you know, yeah. outside. And I, I think it's a strength, you know, to play to it because there is so many talking points and characters within the sport. And um, 
Yeah, look, the cup quarter final now because look, it's a ticket to we're talking about Nepshire there. It's a ticket to that weekend, and you know we weren't able to have it last year. Kieran played a great game against Dana last year, but you know there was no one else in the hall because of COVID. So that is going to be probably our first big get together as a sport, you know, at the I think club there was level. A few in there. I think there was a few in there two meters apart here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, maybe two hundred, was it? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> out, out of their seat at your man's dunk. Do you remember that takeaway? Even including Ricardo. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's a big weekend, you know, to get to that weekend. So yeah. Lots to, lots to look forward to. There's also, of course, the NICC match between my Division 1 team and Vincent's that a lot of people are hoping to... Uh, are With Aina, that I'm sure people are... I'm not sure if there's tickets on sale, but... Uh, anyway, lads, look, appreciate uh, you both joining us for the first episode, and hopefully there'll be lots more talking points over the, the coming weeks. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 